we want to change the world, the first place we start with is ourselves. We all want to change the world. We all want to see the world become a better place. We all want to revive Islam in the hearts of people. But how do we do that? We start with ourselves and those around us. Start implementing these changes in yourself, then start changing those around you, your family. Encourage them gently towards these things. And then if every person applied this, if every person started with themselves and those around them and started changing them, the entire world would be a much, much better place. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome everyone to our weekly IFG tafsir. We take this time out to spend maybe 10 to 15 minutes contemplating on a certain verse of the Qur'an and its application in our daily life. These verses mainly pertain to ahkam, be it money, be it business or finance or wealth. We are live on our Telegram stocks group as well as our Instagram live. So um, inshallah, with that we will begin. Inna alhamdulillah na'maduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyiyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudillala wa man yudlil falahadiyala wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah وأشهد أن محمدا أبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما And with that we uh, continue to the next verse in our series which is verse number 58 in Surah An-Nisa which begins as so أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله يأمركم أن تعدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعذكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا and the translation goes as follows. Indeed, Allah commands you to return trusts to their rightful owners. And when you judge between people, judge with fairness. What a noble commandment from Allah to you. Surely Allah is all hearing, all seeing. What a beautiful ayah, subhanAllah. So we learn from what the commentators say on this glorious verse is that this verse actually came down in the Meccan period. So this was in the early part of Islam. Uh, 
And I'm not going to go too much into the story, but what we learn from it later on is far more important. But just to elaborate for the sake of context, the Prophet ﷺ was coming to enter the Kaaba. Now, at the time, Quraysh controlled the Kaaba and the Quraysh was still Mushrikeen. But it is said that the Kaaba was open from Monday to Thursday, so people could come inside and they could pray inside it and, you know, seek blessings through that. So the Prophet ﷺ was seeking to enter the Kaaba, and one of the people at the time who wasn't Muslim had restricted him and, and told him, you know, you can't enter because you're Muslim. It was known that he was preaching Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, you know, in his great decorum, you know, was very patient and said to him, what if I tell you of a time, and I'm paraphrasing here for the sake of uh, brevity, what if I tell you of a time that I will hold these keys to the Kaaba and I will decide who goes in and who doesn't. And that person later on, you know, he contemplated this and then later on realized that this is definitely going to happen. And he eventually became Muslim at the conquest of Mecca. And he himself handed the keys of the Kaaba to the Prophet ﷺ. Now, as the Prophet ﷺ was leaving from the Kaaba, because he did manage to get in at the time, Umar heard him reciting this verse which meant that this was a new verse that was revealed to him in the Kaaba. Now, I want to take a moment to appreciate this very basic command that Allah has given us, but which is so basic, but it's so profound. So what we need to understand, first of all, is that human society forms around the basis of trust. You know, society does not work or cannot function if people don't trust each other. So what do I mean by trust? By trust, I mean that we trust the ones around us, for example, to honor their commitments. When you go to a store and buy something, you trust that this person entering this store is going to pay for their goods. Or you trust this person entering the store will not steal. We live with our neighbors. We trust that they will not hurt us or infringe upon our rights. We have this basic element of trust built in the foundations of all society. So when we interact with everyone, when they speak, we have a trust with them that they will tell the truth. And this is a commitment that, you know, forms the basis of society without which if you see societies where you can't trust one another, they are generally not very functional societies because people will not be able to live with one another. You won't be able to trust anyone. So trust forms the basis of society. And a trust is an understanding between two parties. Well, people say, oh, a trust is monetary, but it can also be non-monetary related as well. It can be immaterial. So trust can be a material thing. For example, safeguarding someone's wealth. Their wealth is a material thing. You're looking after it. When someone you know, says, can you keep an eye on my children while I quickly nip off to the bathroom, that person is trusting you with a material thing, their child. But in the same way, trust can be immaterial as well. For example, the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith that gatherings are a form of trust or meetings are a form of trust, meaning that when you speak to someone, that is a trust between you. What was said in this meeting was a trust between you. So that's why I use the term understanding, that between two parties, there is an understanding of what is going on between them. When I tell you my secret, I'm trusting that you won't divulge it to anyone. When I am giving you some of my wealth and saying, can you look after it? Can you look after my car? Can you, you know, look after my house? I am trusting you to look after that possession of mine. 
So trust is really important and forms a basis of everything we do around us. And it's a universal principle. If you think about it, between all living things, there is an understanding. Have you ever noticed how you will find cows and sheep grazing in the same farm? It's because they know they trust each other to not be a wolf and try to eat them. You know, when there's a cat roaming on the street or a pigeon going past, it to a certain extent knows its environment and has a trusting sense. When you have a cat or a dog, it trusts you to look after it. When you have a child, it trusts you to take care of it. And similarly, we live in a world where there's the ultimate trust that's placed on us, and that is the trust given to us by Allah, which is everything He has given us. So our entire life is a trust that we are entrusted with by Allah. So Allah entrusts us to worship none other than Him. Allah entrusts us with our body. What we put into our body and what we do with it are a trust. What we do with our hands. We didn't come up with these own hands. I didn't make my own hand. Allah gave me this hand that functions. And Allah trusts me to use it for that which is good and not that which will harm people or hurt people or will be used in a wrong, wrong way. So everything we are given is a trust. So that includes our environment. Allah has given us this entire earth, which is so beautiful. The air that we breathe, the water that we drink, Allah trusts us not to corrupt it. And it's our job as stewards of the earth to look after the earth, to take care of it, to take care of our environment, to take care of our surroundings. And also, Allah entrusts us to act in a certain way with other human beings, such as in this verse where Allah uh, commands us to return trusts to their rightful owners. So this is a specific case, but it has a general meaning as well, where Allah is trusting us that if we are given anything in form of trust, we have to return it in a proper and appropriate state. So the next part of the verse goes on to saying that when you judge between people, judge with fairness. Now, a lot of the commentators of the Qur'an relate this to being about um, rulers and authority, people in authority or leadership. But that's not necessarily the case because we all know that all of us are in positions of authority at different points of time in our lives. So, for example, sometimes your boss can entrust you with a certain job. You are given the right to judge and act according to that. All fathers and mothers are judging between their children all the time. And now you can have favorites. I mean, Islamically, you're not supposed to, but people have favorites. So they can discriminate against their own children. Employers can discriminate against their employees. Rulers can discriminate between their servants. But Allah is telling us to judge with fairness in whatever situation we're put in. And what a universal principle it is. Let's just look at those countries in which that are rife with corruption. The courts are rife with corruption. The rulers are corrupt, the ministers and everyone from the police to anyone in government really is corrupt. So look at how those countries are functioning. They can't function because, again, this relates to trust. No one can trust them. No one trusts them to do what's right and rightfully so because they're corrupt. And similarly, if people don't judge with fairness, what will happen? Corruption will easily spread in the land. And Islam has always had this principle of judging with fairness, even if it's against ourselves. Now, Allah doesn't command us in this verse to judge Muslims fairly. 
judge with Muslim fairly. No, Allah has said judge with fairness. And that means it's a general verse. So Allah is saying that between everything and anything, all people of whatever race, religion, nationality, whatever language they speak, whatever God they worship, judge between them fairly. And I think the best story that has really helped me understand this concept is of the story of Ali radiallahu anhu, who was the fourth Khulafa of Islam and his dispute with a Jew. So at the time he was the Khalifa, he was the ruler. Now imagine this, he was the ruler. Yet a Jew took him to court because he believed that Ali had taken something of his that wasn't Ali's. Ali was the ruler at the time. Let's bear this in mind. He had the absolute power to do whatever he wanted. He had army, he had soldiers at his command. He could, if he wanted to, act unfairly and say, I'm the ruler. Who are you to hold me to account? And you know, we see that today. How many of us can hold to account the governments or the rulers? We can't, not really. Um, not without losing because they've got very expensive lawyers and most people don't. But when Ali was taken to court by this Jew, the judge who was a Muslim judge ruled in the favor of the Jew. So not only are you seeing a Muslim rule against another Muslim in the favor of a Jew, and this wasn't based on, you know, the judge deciding he wanted to be diverse and show that he cared about the other minorities. No, the judge genuinely believed the Jew was right in this situation. And he ruled against Ali, who was the leader, which is an amazing testament to the fact that Islam dedicates and enjoins upon us to not discriminate against others and to be fair no matter what the situation is. Now, if we think about it, just judging by equity and justice in the world would lead to world peace. I genuinely believe that and many scholars hold this opinion that if we judged fairly between people in all matters, how many people will put you know, give, you look at certain countries to get certain jobs or the top ranking jobs, you have to be related to someone and you have to know a guy. How many employees get promoted job promotion simply because they are friends with the boss or they're very close to the boss and their work might not be good, but they get promoted because they're close and that goes wrong. Everything should be with justice and fairness. And that is why Allah ends this verse by calling this good advice. He says that this advice is a noble commandment from Allah to you. And why is it a noble commandment? Because our Creator knows what's best for us. He knows that this timeless wisdom, if applied correctly, will lead to prosperity and betterment for everyone, not just Muslims, not just non-Muslims, but everyone. Muslims, non-Muslims, the environment, the animals, everyone will be better off or in a better state if everyone was treated justly. Now, to end off, I would say some action points that we can take from this verse that we can apply to our lives every day. So number one, the first action point I'd say is to honor your trusts and commitments to everyone and everything, especially the trust you owe to Allah. So Whenever someone has rights over you, honor those rights. Whenever someone has given you something in trust, then honor that secret, honor that, you know, material thing. Make it a priority that you have to be a trustworthy person because every single one of us should endeavor to be a trustworthy person. Let's look at this, that when the Prophet ﷺ called people to Islam, 
effectively he was calling them to literally change their entire lives and stop worshiping the gods that they worship stop celebrating the festivals they celebrated to pray five times a day to fast a different way to give charity to people to treat people as equals that was not normal in arabian society but why did people follow him because he was known throughout the whole of mecca and the arabian lands to be one of the most trustworthy people in the whole land people saw called him Al-Sadiq Al-Amin. They called him Al-Amin, the most trustworthy, the trustworthy person. People in Mecca would leave their belongings with him because they knew that the stuff would be protected. So we should all endeavor to be trustworthy people and honor our commitments and trusts with other people. We should all be fair and just in our dealings in whatever we do. Be fair with your children, be fair with your employees, with your employers, be fair with your neighbors, be fair with even your cat and your dog, like you know, be fair with people. And you will see that be extra careful and vigilant and you'll see the benefits come through. And lastly, if we want to change the world, the first place we start with is ourselves. We all want to change the world. We all want to see the world become a better place. We all want to revive Islam in the hearts of people. But how do we do that? We start with ourselves and those around us. Start implementing these changes in yourself, then start changing those around you, your family. Encourage them gently towards these things. And then if every person applied this, if every person started with themselves and those around them and started changing them, the entire world would be a much, much better place. Jazakallah khairan for joining us today. And inshallah, see you next Wednesday for another quick IFG tafsir session. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.